0: Hello and welcome to a show of their own Sports and Life with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan
1: and I am Laura.
0: And we're going to start with a few baseball things. There I almost feel like there was a lot and then not a lot in baseball like it, it, it seemed like a lot I guess when some of the stories came out and then like wasn't really talked about, but like the first one is shocker another Mets story about harassment. Um, and really it's kind of more or less talking about how, obviously now there is a culture of harassment within that entire organization. And um, this article, I believe they've written all of the articles about them this year, um, is by Katie Strang and Brittany thoroughly i'm hoping that's how you say her name i'm the worst with names um but this one
1: was talking about see i didn't think i need to pull up the article and then i do um oh, i knew i and i i kind of heard about this that it's more like back office less like player or like yeah management, it's, but more like the team operations kind of right outside of baseball
0: um oh it's so kind of I I thought at first going into the article they were going to talk about um a specific person but they kind of touch on a lot of well that was bad phrasing they kind of talk about a lot of like four main people really which is um Mickey Calloway um Jared Porter um Joe DeVito and Newman, which I did not write his first name down. David. Yes, thank you. Um, So, first, uh, Joe DeVito was the executive producer for content and marketing, which I didn't know executive producer was like a term that they used outside of like movies and stuff. But um, he uh, had, like, back in spring training, I believe, he emailed the team or employees and stuff was, said he was leaving and kind of made it seem like it was just I'm leaving that's and moving on and everyone was kind of surprised didn't really know why it was very sudden and then like a few weeks later they found out it was because there were harassment allegations against him and it's kind of crazy because it happened in like in January was when their GM was fired for harassment in February was about uh Mickey Calloway and then March was uh David DeVito and I, I highly recommend reading this article because there's no way I could really summarize it in its entirety because there is a lot of information, but I tried to pull out like some of the bigger pieces to it because they talked to a lot of different employees and I like that they also talked to male and female employees because a lot of the times it, the burden is on the female employees to be the ones to speak up, even if the male employees witness it or know about it or hear about it.
1: Um, and David, I would just like to interrupt and tell yes. you that my horn is going off to inform us that the stars scored. So. Oh, great. Live update. Honestly, didn't even know they were playing tonight until
0: I got the notification that the game was there. And I was like, oh, that's great. So they just scored a goal. <laughs> um, But and I probably in my notes probably confused uh, David Newman and DeVito quite often just because D's, but uh, David Newman was DeVito's boss um, and seven employees they said both male and female told the athletic that Newman made inappropriate comments to female employees during his first knit with the team and from 05 to 2018 and he was slated to rejoin them in November 2020 I believe he did it I kind of didn't really understand if he, they did actually bring him back but it seems like they did in the article. Um but the other interesting thing that I saw in the article is that their I believe she's the head of the their HR department because you know you hear a lot of these things, well, oh, why didn't you just go tell HR and da-da-da. And it's like that doesn't always help. Um uh one of their I think she's like the head of their HR is Holly Lindvall and apparently she was not so helpful and that she was actually kind of seemed to be aiding getting away with the harassment and stuff because it said more than a dozen people again both male and female said one of the department's top officials Holly Lindvall seemed to be seemed to priori- prioritize pleasing ownership which made employees skeptical their complaints would ever be taken seriously and further in the article they talked about how she wasn't liked she was feared which is not something that's great especially if you're the head of the hr department or within the hr department that people are going to complain and well not complain but report these kind of serious allegations and if that person can't be trusted then who else are you supposed to go to um and then there was also and they mentioned that like Obviously, we've talked about in previous articles that they've written about this that like everyone kind of knew and would warn each other as far as the female employees go. But it wasn't like they were just doing this in the dark and then other women would like go, Hey, just so you know, he's going to do this and blah, blah, blah. Like they apparently weren't shy about it. In the article, it like one of their quotes is they, meaning these four men, they didn't act in the dark. Like apparently, the nickname for Mickey Calloway was Dick Pick Mick. Like it was like a known thing that they were doing this. And then they have a couple different like text message transcripts from, I believe um, DeVito, it could have been Newman. I honestly can't remember, but it was like his text, he goes, I'm barely hitting on you. Like that's the, in the headline. And it's just like,
1: these men just don't get it. Well, and I think this is important context because obviously the Mets changed ownership. Yes. But the ownership that was there throughout most of what when this occurred was the Wilpons. And Jeff Wilpon famously had to settle with a former female employee because he openly made fun of her, discriminated against her and did a lot of things for having a baby out of wedlock. So I think when your owner does that, it creates a culture where you don't even feel like you have no shame about doing those kinds of things because hey, the owner's doing it out in the open. And I think there's some things with the new ownership. First of all, like the fact that they rehired that guy and then Jared Porter was like the new GM. Mm -hmm. So there's some of like the due diligence and making sure that that's there and done. But then it's also creating a new culture. And just because you inherited a bad culture, it doesn't make your responsibility any less. Like it makes it more. You have to create, it's like you don't just have to be barely better than the previous guy. Right. Like I really think it's like they're focusing so much on like unmetsing it, being like making them a good team.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But unmetsing it is also creating a good culture.
0: Right. And I, Again, I read this article a couple days ago and it's it's a long one. Um, so I, I don't know if Holly Lindvall is still working there. I, I would hope not at this point. Um, I kind of doubted at this point since she's being talked about how she doesn't help. Um, another point in the article was that it was widely understood within the organization that if you had a problem, it was best to try to fix it rather than risk going to Lindvall, which I feel like is also a huge, like other issue in and of itself is that again you feel like you might as well just try and fix it yourself than asking for help from someone who's supposed to essentially protect you from this kind of harassment in the workplace um and then another quote that I that was kind of summed up a lot of this uh uh, quote, we were all pawns in the toxic, in this toxic workplace, said one former Mets employee who has worked in baseball for more than a decade. So that, said another who left the team and the industry altogether. Sometimes thinking about it, working with the Mets, uh, gives me a bit of PTSD. So like, I feel like that tells you everything you need to know about like what it was and probably still kind of is like to work within the Mets organization. And I think it's also telling that it is the entire organization because we've had people who were in the front office, kind of in the press box because of the media connection. Then you have in the dugout with the coaches and then the manager and then the GM, like it's top to bottom.
1: And that's, and that's what I say. You really, I don't think you can underestimate what Jeff will pawn, the, the example that he set, Yeah. that there's no accountability because he wasn't gonna hold himself accountable. Exactly. Um, again, that's only like part
0: of the article. There's so much more information in there. I just did not want to write down basically rewriting the article to talk about it. Um, the next, uh, headline that I want to talk about Jackie Robinson day was last Thursday. We're recording this Monday. Um, and there was a great article in the athletic by Kavitha A. Davidson, And the headline uh, is, it's time for MLB to tell the truth about Jackie Robinson. And this is something I know we talked about last year because they had Jackie Robinson Day, I believe in like August because of the late start. And then I mentioned it um, when we were talking about um, Hank Aaron and that a lot of how these um, Black men are remembered in baseball is that, oh, they were quiet and they kept their head down. And that seems to be a way of like making us by that i mean white people feel like better because i if they're mad like that makes them the trope angry black man and like they have every reason to be angry and show it um but her article was really good and again i didn't want to read the whole thing on the podcast but i i pulled out some important things that uh i I copied and pasted it from her because there was no way i was going to reword it better um, one of the first points she made was it feels increasingly like the day is used to celebrate MLB and by extension America for correcting a bear a barrier that never should have been there in the first place. Which I really like that kind of struck me because, especially, and I don't know again, I didn't watch every game that was played that day, I watched the Rangers broadcast and I had a real issue with the Rangers broadcast and that, um. There wasn't really much talk about Jackie Robinson other than the fact that it was Jackie Robinson Day and everyone was wearing his number that had been retired in all of MLB. And um, I'll try not to rant for too long about it, but one of the Rangers broadcasters, CJ Nikowski, uses uh, Jackie Robinson Day. And I'm not kidding, every year to talk about how he was in the movie 42. um, He was playing a racist pitcher, so it's really not that thing to Brag about, especially for from someone who used to like tweets from the Proud Boys. Um, but he, and I am not kidding, spent nearly 30 minutes talking about his experience being in that movie. And you would have thought he either actually faced the real Jackie Robinson in the movie, or that it was CJ Nikowski Day, because there like the brief mention of Jackie Robinson was the fact that his character was facing the character. Jackie Robinson. Like that was all that was talked about. Um, so it is definitely a day to kind of, it doesn't feel like a day that's to remember Jackie Robinson's legacy. It's more of like a look at us, MLB we broke the color barrier. We're so good.
1: I do want to hold the NHL as a little bit of a model for this, just this season specifically they haven't always been, like, for a long time, they did not give Willie O'Ree his due, the first Black player in the NHL. And that's really changed in recent years, which obviously it should have always been that way, but better late than never. And what they have done, teams have gone together, and it's like the whole league has really had this, like, coordinated effort to, enc- to contact and encourage fans to contact their representatives to try to mm-hmm. get – Willie O'Ree the Congressional Medal of Freedom for his accomplishment Mm -hmm. so they're not looking for like the league to get some recognition they're saying let's focus on like Willie did something really important and has continued to do really important things to grow the game of hockey for minority players and so he deserves this and they have players like specifically asking fans to contact representatives about that and I think that's a more appropriate thing because it's Mm -hmm. about It's not about, like, oh, we're so inclusive. It's about, like, focusing on Willie Reed. Now, this is not me holding up the NHL because this is also the league that thought if they put end racism, which ended up showing up on TV as just racism in huge letters in the playoffs, that that was good enough. So, like, there are other issues. But I just think as far as making that, like – recognizing the color barrier and and who broke it like making it about the person yeah and and their accomplishment and not about the league yeah because it's not really like the league didn't do really much right they did like worse than the bare minimum (laughs) yeah and so it's not anything and I also think the new thing I think and it's really insidious is to just use, basically use a hashtag or some Mm -hmm. like very general statement of feel-goodedness, I guess, to avoid any kind of like actual self-reflection and advocacy and allyship. And so what I mean by that is some people think if they tweet Black Lives Matter, then they don't have to think about racism ever again. Right. And I think sometimes MLB thinks that. Oh, yeah. Like, if oh, we have Jackie Robinson Day, so we're good. And that
0: that is a problem. Um, yeah, especially because, like, the players are doing more than the league itself. Like, the players, a lot of, um, I think it was over 100 players uh, donated their, like, salary for, or, I don't know. Yeah, salary for that day um, to the Players Association. Is that what it is? Oh, is Alliance, Players Alliance, um, which was created by uh, current and former black MLB players. So I was like, well, leave it to the play. Like if you actually, if the league listened to players, they could actually have some great ideas to use. Um, one more quick thing from that article that I thought was a really good summary of the article. Um, she wrote, racism and baseball in the country didn't end when Robinson took the field, much like America didn't enter a post-racial society after the election of President Barack Obama. Furthermore, Robinson's legacy has been largely sanitized to suit a narrative of a benevolent owner and a player who, quote, kept his head down and the racial abuse he suffered, he continued to suffer. As we saw when Henry Aaron died in January, the activism and righteous, uh, righteous anger of a legendary of legendary Black players tends to be cleansed from the historical record to create a narrative that's more easily digestible for fans and doesn't bring up uncomfortable realities, which is what I said earlier, but I should have waited just to read this because it said it better. Um, The other thing that I thought was really important that she pointed out is that uh, she said, a truly meaningful gesture for the MLB For the MLB to stop holding police appreciation nights in ballparks as we have yet to see a true widespread accountability for the killing of unarmed citizens in the hands of cops, which I think is a really good uh, point to make, especially in an article like this, because I think the Rangers have had like two of those a season. And like, I think every ballpark has them, if not most, um, which is very tone
1: deaf. I feel like in our I have like a mini rant and it's a it. little random so why is it always it's either police appreciation or mm-hmm. for and this isn't just in sports this is everywhere or it is a first responders which includes firefighters EMTs and police but you never like you seldom hear oh firefighter appreciation night or EMT appreciation night They always get lumped in with first responders. includes police. But police get their own. Why is that? I just don't get it. Like, I think, like, we can't even change it to first responder night, which I still would have an issue with. But, like, especially because of the pandemic, to me, focusing on especially EMTs and the risk that they put themselves in to like, basically help people who need hospitalization mm-hmm. is huge. And I think you have, like, there's so many cool ways to acknowledge that. And you're still, like, acknowledging first responders. Exactly. But I just, it just occurred to me, like, you no yeah, that's have a good point. EMT night. Like, I, I can't remember a team that had EMT night. Yeah. But I remember police nights. And I remember first responder nights, but just never on their own. The...
0: Usually, I have, like, the Rangers, like, theme nights or whatever they call them memorized. And for some reason, I want to think that they have a firefighter night. But now that you've said that,
1: I'm like, I don't know if they And even if, like, some teams do, it's just not very commonplace. Like, police night is super common. It is, yeah. Um, Yeah, because on here... It's just, like, and I, I, like, I just, it was something that occurred to me just because I think, yeah, I think sometimes beyond just, like, the issues with policing is, like, we also don't give first responders, uh, like, firefighters and EMTs who directly put themselves in dangerous situations and not just, like, a lot of times people make dangerous situations, like, criminal activities but like car accidents and natural disasters and those sorts of things they put themselves in those positions and they don't get the same acknowledgement i don't feel like so i think it looks like on here at least that
0: they that the rangers at least changed it to first responder night encompassing also police they have a separate military appreciation appreciation night and then first responder also it's very weird going through this and remembering that there is a place in texas called white settlement because it's white settlement night meaning the high school but that was a very like oh, what does this mean kind no, of thing thing, okay <laughs>
1: so for military appreciation night i have a lot of opinions about these different nights mm-hmm. i wish especially like for texas i wish they would focus more effort on like the state national guard because those are the people who end up getting deployed a lot to disasters like this the snowstorm and stuff like that and I think that that we're not really like in wars anymore and so I think acknowledging that service is like super important yeah for sure so like less fraught with problems
0: yeah um, the next quick headline, uh, COVID in baseball, um, the Twins have postponed, they postponed Saturday, Sunday, tonight's game, and then I tomorrow's, well, today's, as you're listening, Tuesday's game is t- TBD, and I th- would assume Wednesday's is. Um, it's kind of actually hard to find any information about this, even though they give notifications that it's been postponed and or canceled because of COVID but like finding why is weird because it said at least four positive tests in the last week and I think one is a player and one is a coach but that's as far as I saw Um, but it's going to be interesting because last year when this happened it seemed easier to control because it was in just one division but this year it's a normal season so don't really know how that's gonna work out because it also i was trying to figure this out because i read it on sunday and it said someone had tested positive within the last week but they played every day until saturday was their first game they didn't play so that leads me to believe couldn't that a person have not come in contact with someone who played on friday or thursday or Wednesday because they just said they tested positive earlier this week. They didn't say when. So I'm kind of skeptical on their COVID protocols because even though I went over them during spring training, I haven't, and I need to go update my information because I know it's also different for those who have a certain amount of players and coaches. Well, I don't know if it includes coaches, uh, but players vaccinated. So I know that also changes COVID rules for certain teams, um, but I don't know any updates on this team has this many people vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the mask thing and the dugout, I have yet to complain about, but uh, it doesn't seem to be as strict as I originally thought it would be. I've noticed coaches do a better job of keeping them on over their nose. They're doing great. It's the players on the benches. Like I get, if they're batting, or even in the game, I get it. They're not going to put on their masks between innings. That's just too much to ask for. But the players that are actually on the bench during the game not playing, I feel like they should be wearing masks, but I'm not seeing it. But nobody especially, asked me. Especially, especially,
1: especially starting pitchers not pitching. Exactly. Like, it's not even like you have a chance of pinch hitting. Unless this game goes I, 21 right. innings, you are not pinch hitting. So, like, what's the point? Exactly.
0: Um, and my last headline, because I had originally, uh, I just had bullet point headlines. I was like, I'll go back and read the articles and fill in all my information. And I had like eight headlines. And then I found like four that I was like, this isn't worth talking about. And then I got to this one written by Bill Shea. And like the headline led me to believe it was going to be like a list of like weird stadium foods. And I was like, okay, let's talk about this. And it kind of wasn't It was more or less about how because of COVID protocols, there's less of like the specialty foods at ballparks because there's just less concessions. Um, But there was a part in there that gave me a different idea that we could talk about um, like one or two of our favorite like concession items at either hockey or baseball games. Because And it doesn't have to be weird, but the one weird one I wanted to mention because it's so weird to me is Seattle. And I think it's like known that they... Do like grasshoppers? Like I don't know if they're fried or whatever. Yeah, Laura's face is great. I wish this was a video podcast for that reason. (laughs) Oh, but wait, it gets worse. So one of their specialty items is matcha ice cream, which that doesn't appeal to me just because I'm not a big like green tea person. So immediately I'm like, oh, not sure about that. But I get people like it, so that's fine. However, it's the toppings that'll get you. Um, topped with mealworms. Oh my god! And toasted chocolate-covered grasshoppers. Why? This is what a fear you've factor. always wanted at a ballpark. Apparently, it does really well too. <laughs> um, at least according to the article. Um, and then the only other two, like, or sorry, three specialty items they talked about was, um, Detroit has. They have a Little Caesars test kitchen in their ballpark, apparently. Mm-hmm. So like one of their big things is Little Caesars Coney Dog Pizza, which I don't know
1: about that because isn't one that to just be chopped Caesar's up hot Caesar. dog on a pizza? To me, Little Caesars is cheese or pepperoni. You can't really yeah. stray far from that.
0: Right? But like what is, what is Coney Dog Pizza? Is that just chopped up hot dog? Because oh. it's not chili cheese dog pizza, so it doesn't have any of those. Either way, I'm not here for it. Um. do you know about the rangers boomstick no oh, okay so this is like the known thing um i guess i'm kind of proud the rangers are known for this because it's not like super disgusting um but it's a two foot long hot dog and it has like i'm pretty sure it has like chili cheese grilled onions it looks good if it was in a smaller size. <laughs> Luckily, a lot of people tend to share it. Um, doesn't seem like many people often eat it by themselves. But if they do, glad they have apparently four stomachs. <laughs> um, but that's like their big seller. Like they sell, I think it said like a hundred of those every game or something, which that doesn't sound like many. So maybe it's more. Um, but that's like been their thing since I think 2013. Um, but then it mentioned two things that they were going to bring this year and I'm just kind of like confused about some of them. So, like, one is grilled rattlesnake sausage. Rattlesnakes, I feel like, don't have much meat on them. So, like, yeah. how are sausage uh, out of rattlesnake?
1: That's a, a, that's a lot of rattlesnakes. How are you finding all of those? And B, it's why. It's like rattlesnake fortified something. So, there's like a tiny bit of rattlesnake. <laughs> and, like, yeah. Some other kind of meat. Um, but if you're a Rangers fan and you're going to the ballpark,
0: look forward to that, maybe eventually soon, sometime this season. Um, and then they have this other thing called The Stack. And I f- don't know if this article just didn't know what tostadas were or if the Rangers are making this a big deal. Because to me, I'm like, this doesn't sound that amazing. But it's a pile of tostadas covered in pulled pork and chili, which in my mind, isn't that just nachos?
1: Yeah, that's not that cool.
0: Because I haven't had a tostadas. But from what I know, it's like a fried tortilla and you just pile things on it. Like, that's just what it is. So having a pile of tostadas, I don't love the pulled pork chili combination.
1: No. Okay, but is it like Pringles and nachos if they have like a kid because they're like stacked? That's what I don't understand is because like
0: tostadas from what I know with the fried tortilla it like has air bubbles so they don't really stack so in my mind I'm like it's just nachos yeah that's
1: like bougie nachos
0: (laughs) yeah and the the they already have like extra nachos that you can get in helmets so why do
1: you need this yeah helmet nachos is like a baseball classic
0: yeah I think like I don't Since I was diagnosed with celiac disease, there's not much at the ballpark I get except ice cream, which ice cream and a helmet, like a mini helmet just tastes so much better for some reason. So I really enjoy that. But the thing I really miss is like ballpark hot dogs. Like, I don't know why hot dogs are just so much better at a ballpark. And I really miss those, especially on dollar hot dog night.
1: Ooh, fun. I...
0: I don't I get adventurous.
1: A, I have a hard time with hot dogs because when I was like five years old, I saw like a how it's made thing with hot dogs and it oh. really grossed me out. And yeah. And, but I do, I will admit I like grilled hot dogs. The thing I can't stand is mm-hmm. when people like for kids, they boil hot dogs. Yeah. It's pretty gross.
0: Which isn't, maybe that's what a Coney is. So that makes that Coney dog pizza even worse. Yeah. Um,
1: so do you want to go to hockey now?
0: Yes. Also, real quick, I wanted to say, does hockey have like specialty food? Because I don't really eat anything there now that I think about it, just because celiac disease. But I feel like they they're not they're not known for anything.
1: Yeah, I don't know that there's like really anything super signature about any hockey. I'm like nothing's coming to mind. Well, like I'd imagine something similar to Detroit Tigers happens at Red Wings games because they, they play in Little Caesars Arena yeah so I'd imagine they have some something there but like nothing wild or crazy or yeah, like very like, signature like I think nachos and hot dogs feel very like baseball but there's nothing that I really think about for like the one thing drink. I will say is like hot drinks is like yeah. a hockey thing because and it's very unique because even basketball, like I'm not sure they might sell them, but they're not like a big deal, but hockey because of the ice, it's always really cold. Mm-hmm. And so I think that might be a thing that's kind of, that's what that's I'm going to like, that amazing. But
0: when you think about right. unique, look, I love to drink coffee at a sporting event. So I'm here for that at <laughs> hockey.
1: Um, so with that, I guess we'll go to climbing the corporate ladder. Yes. So for the Honda West division, I want to start off with a COVID thing. And then we have two kind of record things to talk about. So um, a ABS games have been postponed. A third player got added to the protocol. But now it's back down to two because I believe Bowen Byram, a defenseman, got taken off. But just with the COVID issue on their team they're postponed but it's nothing even remotely like what Vancouver is one, went through that we'll talk yeah. about now uh, or we'll talk about later but just something I wanted to point out that Colorado's on pause so look for that to impact the West Division schedule a bit especially this late in the season. Um, the first record I wanted to talk about is Marc-Andre Fleury passed Ed Belfer for um, and he moved into fourth place all-time for NHL wins for a goaltender it's pretty incredible pretty incredible career like uh, wins are a big thing for goaltenders obviously some of it's dependent on the teams that you played on but still for Marc-Andre Fleury he played on the first season of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights so that's pretty impressive Um, and then the one that I think is a huge deal like everyone is making a big deal about this and actually it's going to I'm going to preview this what I have something about this for my rant um, but Patrick Marlowe of the San Jose Sharks last game tied Gordie Howe for most games played which is 1,757 and he will move in to um, first place tonight which by the time you hear this, he will have moved into first place. So he will have the most games played in NHL history. It's a really big deal. Um, Minnesota Wild, who, which is where he was playing when it happened, recognized it. Um, I believe uh, Vegas will pro- I would imagine that they're going to do something to recognize um, some kind of something uh, to recognize his accomplishment because it really is so signature and I remember this happened with Yarmir Yager because Yarmir Yager moved into second place in um scoring or like in total points which obviously no one's touching Wayne Gretzky and like the game stopped and they had like an acknowledgement of it just because it's Mm -hmm. such a signature event and so there's a lot of tributes to um Patrick Marlowe and his career it's just a pretty amazing longevity and pretty awesome so just something i thought was worth discussing and like i said more to come about certain media members in my rant um and then next the Scotian north division um, obviously the big story is vancouver so the big thing there is um jt miller i thought this was really interesting the players basically picked JT Miller to do a media availability and convey the concerns of the team. And they basically felt, and I I really understand this. They felt that they were being rushed back because 20 players in total had COVID or were on the list. Mm -hmm. And I think it was even had COVID. So it's just, that's a, a lot. And people were still recovering. I believe there were still eight people out of the game last night that they ended up playing. And they're just like, We're worried about our families. A lot of us still are having breathing problems. We haven't really practiced much at all. Like, how can you ask us to do this? Like you're asking people to get really hurt or just like really bad things. And so I think that that was a fair comment and something that NHL hasn't really addressed. Um, That said, they did play last night against the Leafs and they ended up coming back and winning in overtime which considering they've been paused since March 24th almost a whole month I didn't realize it'd been that long it'd been a month minus to, so March 19th they won the game last night which for you would be two, which for your listeners is two nights ago on the 18th mm-hmm. of April March 19th was their last win Wow, it's been almost a month between wins, but most of that month was on a pause. So yeah. to do that is pretty incredible, and obviously, definitely celebrate that the players could do that. But still, I think there's the argument that they shouldn't have had to. Mm-hmm. And the NHL, like apparently some GMs were like going to the league, GMs in the North Division, like we can't do winning percentage. That isn't fair, and it's like nothing's fair it's COVID like deal with it so yeah I just thought that was a very good point Um, so I said I'm probably jinxing them but this is a stat I thought that kind of blew my mind the Ottawa Senators are the only NHL team who hasn't been shut out in a single game this season which when you, when you wow. consider that the Ottawa senators are like third to last place in the <laughs> NHL, yeah. the fact that it's them, is absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. Um, but I think it shows that there's hope for the future. They obviously have a lot of gaping holes, but they have like Tim Stutzla and Brady Kachuk and, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Thomas Shabbat. They have a lot of like hope for the future. And I think the fact that they are able to score goals kind of shows that. Um, Don't look now, but the Leafs are on a losing streak. I believe it is at four now. Um, They only lead the Jets by four points, which is obviously the equivalent of two wins, which even though we're kind of down to the wire with most teams having anywhere from like 10 to 12 or 13 games remaining that's easily overcomable especially I don't know if they play the Jets anymore but obviously in division there's a lot of moving that can happen and so I think that's pretty interesting it their goaltending has kind of fallen off a bit so obviously Jack Campbell had a ridiculous start going 11 and 0 and then he had his first loss and hasn't been really great since then. And then one extra bonus one cuz Morgan sent this to me. Um so Calgary obviously last week Milan Lečić had his 1000th game but that was away so they're doing a home thing. And I actually did know this because we've seen it for other ones. The visiting team it doesn't come out to the ice for the milestone celebration. The NHL actually had to grant an exception because Um, Jordan Stahl of the Carolina Hurricanes hit his thousandth game when the hurricane at home when the Hurricanes were playing the Detroit Red Wings and Mm. Mark Stahl his brother is a defenseman for the Detroit Red Wings and so they let him come out Mm. to like watch and participate in the ceremony which makes sense like how dumb would that be it's like your brother's (laughs) in the building but he can't watch the ceremony like that's legit okay so like but that's the only exception I've ever heard I think it's just weird
0: to me that they do that under the guise of COVID just because it's like these in 20 minutes these guys are going to be like face-to-face sweating around each other
1: anyway yeah. so and they keep the family far enough away from the players that I don't think there's any extra people right I don't really always understand the logic behind some of this stuff yeah so I'd be curious to see like the rationale behind it but right I like that they're being very open and honest about it like <laughs> please NHL don't find us yeah right um so next is the Mass Mutual East Division. Uh, we have a, a eulogy to give. Uh, <laughs> rest in peace to the Sabers' playoff hopes. Not they—they were—they were dead a long time ago. But they are now officially dead. Officially um, dead. Because, uh, like, did anyone think they were making it a long time ago? I thought this was interesting. So, the Sabers were out, and everyone kind of knew the Sabers were going to be the first team to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. But the next closest by my math of any team in the NHL are in the same division the New Jersey Devils who are potentially i said one game but it might be two one or two games away from elimination so pretty interesting because then that would leave it six teams fighting for four playoff spots which is kind of starting to set in stone the playoff picture in the east so thought that was interesting. Another milestone to acknowledge Nicholas Backstrom of the Washington Capitals. Hit a thousand games played. He's a pretty, in my opinion, a little underrated just because everything on the Capitals is Ovechkin, 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 but a really good center who kind of was some of the backbone of that team and helping them win a Stanley Cup and just a very consistent, good performer. Um, And then finally my Penguins update and I just want to dedicate this update to John Taglianetti and when everyone is like who the heck is that he is the Penguins equipment manager and um so in a game I believe it was against the Sabres it might have been no it was against the Flyers I think um, the Penguins are on defense and out on the ice is Crosby Gensel Rust and then the defensive pairing is Dumoulin Lateng. Dumoulin's stick breaks and usually when a defenseman's stick breaks one of the forwards hands a stick back because Uh it's more important in the defensive zone that a defenseman have a stick stick, for very obvious reasons right and so Sidney Crosby hands his stick to Brian Dumoulin pretty soon after the puck gets out and you see Crosby make a beeline to the bench where equipment manager Don Taglinetti is holding the stick out over the bench and then like rushes into the offensive zone, and like five seconds later, Sidney Crosby h- gets a rebound and scores a goal. And immediately he's like, "I've never seen Sidney Crosby this happy to score a goal because legitimately he's so used to it. He just yeah, was just like yeah, cool, whatever. He was like smiling ear to ear and he was like pointing. And then the whole bench like surrounded this guy. And we're like, oh my that. god! And so it was so cool to see. And um, I saw a gif of that, had no
0: idea which two teams it, it was. That's awesome.
1: It was so cool. And like everyone said, he gets the unofficial assist. And even the penguins press announcer, like when announcing the goal, he like announced a fake assist to oh John Tagley That's Amazing. And so I just thought that was so cool. And he was talking, they did an article about it, and he was talking about like how you have to prep for all of those things. So like on a power play, you always have the sticks ready cause sticks tend to break during, or like a penalty kill sticks tend to break during a penalty kill. And like just the different preparations you have cause you know, like when things might happen it's like most of the time it's prepped for nothing but then a few times it really does pay off. So really cool. The penguins are, are still, I think they're in the like good uh, they're at the point where losses they're not happening enough that they scare me. Like I'm not like freaking yeah. out or anything. They have lost a couple games, but they've been winning enough. And I think they're keeping really good pace with Washington and the Islanders. And now even Boston's kind of coming on strong and they're keeping really good pace. And they don't just look like a team that's hanging on for playoff hopes. They look like solidly in the playoff discussion. So that's all I can ask. I I Also, I guess I should say Jeff Carter played his first few games with the Penguins and he looks awesome. I did not realize, because he's kind of old, did not realize he was so freaking fast. (laughs) Skates so smooth, so fast, which given that we don't have Evgeny Malkin for a while, pretty helpful. So liking that acquisition. Finally, the Discover Central division. The first thing I wanted to talk about is Steven Stamkos, captain of the tampa bay lightning is out with an injury until at least may my question is if it impacts kucherov's return because nikita kucherov was announced as being out for the whole season like at the beginning of the season Mm -hmm. and the lightning were absolutely up against it there was no way they could fly under the cap so everyone's like kucherov is conveniently going to get better for the first game of the playoffs because salary doesn't count for the playoffs so it'll allow them to essentially be over the cap without having to have any problems with it but now that steven stamkos is on long-term injured reserve and makes about the same as kucherov could you not put him on ltir and then have kucherov come back early and so i think there's going to be a lot of shenaniganery whereas like kucherov was everyone knew that he was coming back that he was miraculously going to be healed everyone knew the date that he would be okay to play for. It was going to be the first game of the playoffs like everyone knew that but I wonder if that is going to change um next I kind of wanted to talk about the races just because I found it was interesting that there's like clear divisions in this division I guess I'm using the word division too much, but there's like two, three team races going on right now. And so you've got Carolina, Florida, Tampa Bay, and they're all kind of battling it out. Like they're all going to make the playoffs and they're all kind of battling it out for who's going to be first. Because first is a huge advantage because you get to pay the fourth place team versus two of those teams have to play each other. And so you want to be the team that's in first because then you're going to play the second tier which is those three team races for that last playoff spot and it's really really close between Nashville Chicago and Dallas I think it's like two points between the last one and the first one in that and so and Dallas obviously has a few less games played so it is just really close in there and I said, Detroit has been out of it for a while. Like everyone knew that the first day of the season that they weren't going for the playoffs and they would tell you they weren't trying to make the playoffs. But with a five game losing streak, I kind of think Columbus, like if you look at their points and how late it is in the season, it's like verging on impossible for them to overcome that. Like mathematically they could, but just practically speaking, teams aren't gonna lose enough for them to overcome that. So I think it's just kind of interesting to see the battles and where it's all balanced out. But with that, I turn it over to Morgan for her weekly stars update.
0: Um, Well, I'll be honest. I haven't really watched all of the games closely because I was kind of getting super down on this game, especially when they go to overtime. It's almost pointless by now for them to go to overtime it's going to be a loss. Just give them the 1 point and move on kind of a thing. Um also today I think I my brain mentally blocked out today's game because they're in their reverse retro uniforms you know, which are god awful. They look like some knockoff stormtroopers and I hate it. Um but the thing that is interesting is that uh I think it was last week for some reason between recordings it's felt really long. Um, they announced that Radulov and Bishop would not be playing for the rest of the season um, or would not be coming back for the rest of the season. Um, and I almost wish they'd just do that with Rope and Sagan just because Sagan has been skating lately, but I, I'm so worried they're going to bring him back just for really nothing because this team, I just kind of wish they don't make playoffs just because there's yeah, so many injuries.
1: Like, do you want to make playoffs just to get destroyed exactly by like Tampa or Carolina.
0: Exactly. And especially with Rope, because he's dealt with a lower body injury literally all season. And at one point he was playing every other game. Then they had him play five games in a row. But of those five games he was playing in four of those, he was playing 18 to 20 minutes. And then they um then he went back on being day to day after that and I was like this is why you can't make someone with a lower body injury play 20 minutes every game. So I wish they just because at one point, Rick Bonus made it seem like him and uh, Radulov had the same injury, I guess. But I don't know if he just meant that they both have a lower body injury, not the same lower body injury. But it's just like at this point, I just kind of feel like you're risking injuring him more. And I don't want them to rush Sagan back because they also said that Sagan wouldn't be coming back until the earliest April 24th. Which I think leaves them just four games left. I'm like, why bother? Kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I just, with how they're playing so inconsistently, it just seems not worth it to me, which sucks considering they were just in the Stanley Cup finals, but that almost kind of feels more like a fluke. I hate to say it, but um, I just, uh, I don't know if it's worth seeing them crumble in the playoffs because i don't think
1: they would make it very far i think whoever of because you look at nashville chicago and dallas they're all deeply flawed teams Mm -hmm. like nashville was looking to sell before they went on a little bit of a winning streak and still has a lot of big question marks um chicago humong basically it's the kevin Lankinen show and like nothing else well, okay, Patrick Kane and all that, but, like, they have no defense to speak of. And then Dallas. And so it's, like, whoever of those teams makes it, I think. And that's why I said it's such a battle for first place because would you rather play Nashville, Dallas, or Chicago or one of those three teams, like, uh, one of Carolina, Florida, or Tampa Bay? Like, it's pretty obvious which one you'd rather play. And so that first place has such an advantage.
0: And, like, of all of those teams, the only team I want this—I think—the stars could legitimately be in a series—is Chicago because they haven't played very well against Nashville, or if they do, it goes to overtime. And again,
1: they—I think—they
0: have two overtime wins this whole season, and, and that was like zero in February. Chance they
1: play Chicago. They're either like they're yeah. fighting with Chicago for that playoff spot. Yeah, they're playing one of Carolina, Tampa, and Florida. And, and quite honestly, yeah. I wouldn't want to play any of them. No. Um, I
0: think they just recently got their first one against Florida this season. They've actually looked pretty decent against them. I'm surprised, but I don't want to play a, ser- a playoff series. Um, the the good news for me as a Giriano fan is he's shown off in the last few games. Um, I know in the last, I think, two games, he has seven points, uh, three goals, I believe, um, which is really exciting because for a long time, he wasn't hitting the... The times in which they had uh hints play 18 to 20 minutes Giryanov wasn't even playing 15 minutes and that was at a point where uh i believe dickinson was also out um a couple days with injury and so ice time was not being split up fairly in my always opinion um but he's played 15 minutes in the last two games, which is an improvement. However, in the most recent two overtime games, he didn't play one single overtime shift, which, you know, I have a problem with that. Um, the other thing I've noticed, which we talked about a couple weeks ago when Geryanov had a near three-minute shift, um, with that spreadsheet that I keep track of, I've also lately, started since that game, started keeping track of like how many one-minute shifts and how many shifts over 50 seconds they have because i i I, now i kind of want to check earlier games it's they've been playing a lot of one minute shifts (laughs) which to me just like please don't break these players kind of a thing like i'm sure some of them love it because they're like i'll do anything for the team and play until i'm winded but it's like some of you guys need to chill like I, I don't want y'all broken like I almost feel like Robertson is gonna be broken just because he's played so many minutes for
1: a rookie um so a couple things first I want a couple stars things that I encountered on Twitter like just right yes. now um a great guy for the athletic who does like stat stuff Dom Lushchison mm-hmm. he uh pointed out that Uh, Rupe is on a 95 point pace for like a regular season, which is pretty damn elite, so pretty cool with that. And And then that's missing like almost half the games they've played so far, it feels like. The other thing, um, I wanted to point out the most rookie points since March 1st, so kind of like the second half of the season, if you will. in fifth place, we've got Ely Tolvenin of the Predators with 15, and he's tied with two other people. Uh, Igor Sharangovich of the Devils with 15 and Josh Norris of the Sens for 15. Uh, with 15. And then in second place, um, the Ricky Sensation from the Minnesota Wild, Kirill Kaprizov with 19. And then obviously, because I'm saying it's the stars, first place stars, Jason Robertson. But the thing that's amazing about this, so. Kirill Kaprizov has 19. Jason Robertson has 27 points since March 1st. So he's eight points better than any other rookie, which is yeah. pretty impressive. He's
0: amazing to watch.
1: So I, and I definitely, cool.
0: I know I've said this before, I definitely don't, when I'm t- irritated about Ice Time and I mention him, it's not because I think he's getting too much. It's just more of an irritation of like Rick Bonus knows to play his good players but he doesn't spread that out across to all his collective
1: yes that's my issue <laughs> so with that i think that wrap, wraps up the hockey segment so do you yes. want to do rant and rave yes um i want to go first okay. because i have a rant perfect so i mentioned this i hinted at this But some obnoxious media members who I usually don't like to give the shine, I just need to let this out a little bit. (laughs) So Patrick Marlowe, like I said, is moving into first place for most game plays. And he's going past Gordie Howe, who is admittedly like next to Wayne Gretzky, probably like the greatest, one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Like he's usually Mm -hmm. top three. He has a hat trick
0: named after him.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) so of course that is leading through some hot takes that I just can't. So everyone's favorite, the one who famously said that Phil Kessel eats hot dogs all the time, which wasn't even true, but. Is that important? um, We have, let me pull it up. So this guy is Steve Simmons. He's a Toronto writer and he is just. Of course it's Toronto. Some contact, but nobody in Toronto likes him. Some context: is Patrick Marlowe is about to play the most game, most, most the games in NHL history. I have to, to re- read that typo just for petty reasons. Gordie Howe scored 508 points in 419 WHA, which is like World Hockey Association games that do not count in the record books. Yet AFL stats count in the NFL. ABA stats are included in the NBA records. Not so for NHL. From 1956 to 1970, Gordy Howe was a first or second team All Star in all 15 seasons. Hart trophies won Gretzky nine, Howe six, Shore four, Ovi Lemieux or Clark Morens, all three. Marlowe once finished ninth in Hart voting. So he's basically doing the point of like, wow, like ever, like he shouldn't be in the same conversation. But it's like it's about longevity. You can be a consistently The decent but not amazing player and have a long career that's all that record is no one looks at that record and says okay patrick marlowe is the greatest player of all time literally no one so like i don't get what the point is and my personal favorite even better which topping steve simmons is truly (laughs) truly epic Milt Dunnell wrote 11,000 columns. Oh, wait, I should say this is Rosie DeMano, and she's some kind of Canadian journalist. But uh, I, I saw it got linked to it basically. Milt Dunnell wrote 11,000 columns for The Star. I'll never catch him. But if I were to reach 10,999, I'd stop. There's much to admire about Patrick Marlowe as a hockey player and as a human being, not this respect. So apparently, he's just supposed to retire out of respect for Gordy Howe he's just supposed to retire what <laughs> what like that makes no sense come on like you are was- getting <sighs> Gordy okay Gordy Howe died but Gordy Howe's son is like my dad would be really psyched about this and like would, would be there and like congratulate him. So like, just chill out. Don't be offended about things that the people themselves aren't offended about. Right. It's just absolutely insane. And I like, I don't get how like everyone in hockey, other teams, like I loved the Carolina hurricanes. Cause remember the Leafs gave a first round pick to Carolina to take on Patrick Marlowe's contract because they couldn't afford it anymore and carolina just bought him out and then that's when he signed with the sharks last season so they sent something like congratulations to hurricane's legend patrick Marlowe. <laughs> uh, and so it just, every team yeah. is congratulating him even his opponent and we've got some dumb media members who are like but how can i make this a negative negative?" and it's like no what
0: i i also feel like that second writer was kind of like I'm a better person than him because I would stop before I got to the record like
1: what like how does that even also if you're a writer and you're just like I'm gonna stop writing because out of respect that doesn't show a lot of respect for your readers or like self-respect because you're like my readers don't need to read what I have to say anymore and that's and some dumb respect for some dumb record this This is on the back for no reason this is honestly such like a baseball take like no like because some of those like their weird fascination with some records and like preserving the fairness of whatever records like honestly they need to speak to some baseball writers because the takes kind of read like that
0: yeah talk to uh bob nightingale i'm
1: sure he has similar takes but yeah, it's the the one I was I, I had seen the St- Steve Simmons one because that had been flying around. Mm-hmm. And then Adam Wilde from the Steve Dangle podcast posted the other one. And when I saw it, I my jaw dropped. Yeah. I truly cannot believe someone can be that stupid. I mean, I do believe it, but it's one of those things where I'm not surprised, but I'm shocked. Like right. the specific thing of it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Couldn't even come up with that stupid if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> so Anyways, I now hand it over to you for a rant.
0: Um, relating it to baseball it's kind of a good segue because my rant is about baseball. And that is the extra inning rule, which I don't think I complained about too much last year. A, because the Rangers, I, from my blurry memory of last season, didn't have an uh, extra innings game until very near the end of the season so it didn't really like I never really watched it happen and it was a shortened season so I kind of understood okay let's not get any more injuries than we probably are having right now we'll have the extra inning rule of a runner on second after the ninth inning and we'll move on the fact that they kept it this year I cannot stand and I'm ranting about it now because I've now seen two Rangers games have to use it and I hate it uh side shade at the stars at least I have one team that can win overtime games because they won both of those training games anyway it's just it doesn't feel like it works within the like the I don't know that it just doesn't it doesn't feel like a rule that's true to baseball by putting uh I guess they call them ghost runners um after nine innings you it's almost like okay after nine we'll just give up and put a player on second and just we don't really like the game anymore after nine innings so let's just try to end it as soon as possible and it just like takes like if you're a baseball fan extra innings are kind of fun like sure you're kind of like oh great my team's going to extra innings but like heck if you get to 15 extra innings it's kind of fun it's kind of like let's see how far we're going to take this and then to just be like under the guise of pace of play Just be like, you know what? Nine innings is plenty, and if it takes more, then we'll just make it easier kind of a thing. Because it's very – and I get softball does this. It doesn't bother me with softball because that's always been the rule. It wasn't, like, added to it. Um, But it bothers me because it's just so easy to, like, figure out the other team's strategy for the extra innings because it's just going to be a bunt sack fly for the most part. And then you just keep going in this constant circle of, like, who's going to screw up first – and it, it just doesn't feel like it works to the... I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but it just doesn't...
1: The, it okay. Feels ick. The other thing... Why is that the thing that got kept within, like, the DH? And I'm not even, like... I, I understand the arguments on both sides of the DH, but there is a precedence for the DH in baseball. And the NL did away with that. But we're keeping this thing that there really is, like, no precedence for. If you think about it, keeping the dh in just the al kind
0: of goes towards uh like i get i get okay if i'm someone in the league like a like a dumb higher up in the league i'm gonna argue that if you have a dh in both leagues, that slows down the game because in nl when the pitcher hits that's you're, you're speeding up the game because it, it the pitcher more likely than not isn't gonna get I hate, like then, I okay. feel like that's
1: the dumb like boardroom and then the question. Example. Becomes, okay, is speeding up the game the only thing we care about? Or do we actually care about making an entertaining product? Because if we care about that, and that's the other thing with the extra innings, Bunt, sack Fly ain't that exciting, especially when it's no. like the 15th thousandth time it's happened. So, like, do you want something to, like I feel I feel like even if you started a runner on first? it would be even a little more interesting. Yeah, but you've, you're you starting a runner in scoring position. like Yeah.
0: And it, it also just doesn't feel earned. By the time either team wins, it's like, well, you started with a player on second. So eventually, like, someone was going to get – like, I don't know if I'm explaining it right, but it just doesn't feel – I'll think of the the description I'm trying to think of and I it's not respect I don't mean like respectful to the game but like in that that's
1: dumb yeah and I just just I guess just be grateful that you don't go the full NHL route and then if after a few extra innings decide to just have like a home run derby to decide the game
0: want that though (laughs) so dumb there was are so annoying before I watched hockey I saw people saying instead of extra innings we should just have a home run derby and I was like that sounds stupid but whatever I didn't get into that conversation because I just I didn't truly care then the moment I started watching hockey and I watched a shootout I was like oh y'all want shootouts in baseball we're not
1: doing that every like most people it's like a super hot take in hockey if you actually like the shootout because nearly everyone hates them
0: yeah and I What you said about uh, MLB, if they're trying to, like, improve the game or make it fun, like, it truly feels like they think they can't get new fans interested because of the pace of the game, which really isn't that long. But while they're trying to appeal to newer fans, they're, they're, like, ignoring what current fans actually enjoy about the game, and it's just... I, we could have a whole podcast about this conversation because okay, it's
1: just frustrating. Ask yourself, like, and put it in another context, because sports are an entertainment product. Who watches a two and a half hour boring movie or a two and a half hour, like, awesome edge of your seat movie? People are watching the two and a half hour edge of your seat movie, even though it's 30 extra minutes. Heck, you could extend it and make like four hours edge of your seat. You're still going to get more viewership than the two hour boring fest. Was it like
0: the Zack Snyder or whatever cut of that uh, DC comics? I don't watch that, but whatever. He had like a four hour movie and people flocked to that. Like what? Why are we trying to change the game so much that now we're not only not getting new fans because we're not addressing the actual problem with the sport, we're getting we're like making it miserable for the current fans. Like, and the the other good thing about baseball is if it is a boring game, like I can get so much done while still watching the game and keeping track.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's well, my rant. <laughs> I have a rave, and it actually came today. The um, penguins like official penguins.com writers released this story and it was so fascinating and just so cool. Apparently the like on the road obsession of the penguins this year, you're starting there thinking like, which video game are they into? Like, are we gonna have yet another like Fortnite article? Like what's it about? No, chess, the penguins are into chess. And apparently it's because in the common room area that all teams are required to have now because of COVID Mm -hmm. at the um, hotels, there was a chessboard one time and they're like, oh, let's play it. And so now they have an app on their phone so they can play against each other when they're not together. But then when they are together, they all like play each other like play actual chess against each other and to the point where they're like studying different strategies oh and one God. person like recognized and they were talking about like oh you're doing this and all of that sort of thing and to no one's surprise well there's one surprise and one not surprise to no one's surprise who was kind of universally said as one of the two best players was John Marino it, he went to Harvard so I mean it kind of fits yeah but The second person who gets, like, talked about as being one of the best players is Alex Letang's dad. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty cool. But everyone plays it, and Perry Luke's, like, super competitive and stuff like that. So I thought that was just so cool, and I just love it. So it's, like, good, innocent fun.
0: I always wanted to, like play chess I'm just too impatient for it
1: like I get the rules of chess like I I totally get that the thing where it's like I don't have enough time for this is all of the strategy exactly yeah I'm just like I don't want to think
0: five moves ahead for me and three moves ahead for you like I just that's not my thing not at all um by the way the stars are less than a minute to going to overtime again (laughs) of course um but my rave which is kind of like a, a rave I came up with like in the middle of this episode because I told Laura I didn't I had not thought of one before we started recording I was like oh, I'll think of it um, so it's kind of just like a this is what I could come up with kind of a rave um, and it's because I think I it was a rave I had like a couple times but uh, Taylor Swift uh, re- released an album because and I'm not a good explanation for this so Google would probably be better but if you don't know the story like her original label sold all her her first six albums to Scooter Braun who's an awful person and like her masters to that and then he wouldn't let her perform any songs from those albums uh And she wrote all of those songs. And so then in November 2020, something legally, like a contract ended or something, and she was able to re-record all of her albums. So she is re-recording all of them so she can own them herself. And she just released one of them a couple weeks ago, or two weeks ago. I don't really know. Time means nothing. Um, Her album, Fearless, which... Originally came out in two thousand eight, which means like I it's was kind like of a fourteen. Moment for millennials,
1: because like I have yeah. memories of that,
0: right? And so like that's kind of all I've been listening to lately on repeat, and it just kind of like not that I would ever want to be fourteen again, but like it's weird, like nostalgia, but but it's still kind of new because she did release new songs with it, but her, her voice also sounds different because she's older, so it's more mature, and I don't know, I just. I really enjoy it and I cannot wait for the re-releases of the other albums and yeah that's that's my rave and the stars are going to overtime so that's my secondary rant <laughs> I was gonna say I have a little
1: bit of a rant <laughs> I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the world not like a hater it's just her music isn't my right. kind of music yeah I need more people to be that not to be Thank you. like Oh, she always writes about breakups and her relationship. So does every songwriter. Literally, okay, I love Harry Styles, obsessed with Harry Styles. His whole album is about a breakup to the point where he included a voicemail from his ex-girlfriend in a song. Like, come on, everyone does it. So, but you just, you can just say, listen, her like singing style, her type of music, it's just not my thing. Yeah. Because I have plenty of those that just aren't my thing yeah everyone does Like, and the, they're plenty popular and stuff so and I like some of Taylor Swift songs but I'm just not like the dedicated fan that some yeah. other people are but just say that it doesn't have to be like you, you can skip the sexism and just be like listen her music isn't my thing it
0: makes me so happy that you're saying this because I thought I was only noticing it as a Taylor Swift fan but it seems like it's almost like I think more so before than now, but it seems like it's almost like uh, if people thought it was cool to hate her and like her music, and I've never understood that, why it seems to always just be her that people are, because I even saw it, I think, after she performed one of her songs recently at the Grammys, I think, and people were like trashing on her on Twitter, and I'm just like,
1: you no one said you had to like her but why do you why is it like and I think feel some of that is like people think some of her relationships not all but some were like staged or whatever which yeah. again okay let me give you 15 other Hollywood stars who've right. done that and uh, you know I, I come back to uh Pete Davidson did this great rant on SNL because people uh-huh. asked him about he was dating like a much older woman I forget who it was an actress or something yeah um and people were asking about the age difference, and he's like, I'd just like to refer you to list all of these old guys who dated young women, and, like, ask them the same question, right, and I think it's kind of the same point of, like, okay, let's ask all of these other people who are clearly in, like, I don't want to call them showmances, but something like that, right. just, like, like, clearly not turning down the publicity and all of that, right, like, even if that was what she did so she's not the first person and she's not gonna be the last certainly not and so it's just like all of these things everything that they're criticizing for it's just so commonplace that I don't get why it's her that we have the problem with which is
0: why one of her songs on I think her album lover called the man is so great because she's pointing out everything that if she was a man she could get away with
1: yeah and it's just but it's not even okay like it definitely is like the fact that she's a woman if she were a man right. this would not happen but also other women right like mm-hmm. I don't get it like other women don't get this yeah I'm saying other women like some do but I don't get why it's just her right yeah like it's bizarre but anyways sorry we had a <laughs> secondary rant to end always this happens show. Um, But we'll see you all again. Uh, Thank you all for listening.